And we prepare to turn now to God's Word, uh, continuing by preparing for our sermon for today. Christmas is coming. What do you want? Christmas is coming. What do you want? And don't tell me. I hope, I hope it's bigger than the Bulldogs winning the College World Series, although that would be pretty cool. But uh, I want to give you a bigger, an opportunity for a bigger vision than that uh, today. Uh, we are very close, you know, even though it seems like a long way away. Let's pray together. Oh, gracious Lord, may we indeed, by your Holy Spirit, respond and be nearer to you. We want to hear you. Open our hearts, open our minds, Lord. We fill our minds and our hearts and our souls with so much junk food. Bring the real food that comes by your word today. And may it not be from me, may it totally be your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So today you have the sermon notes you can follow along. We'll also have them, a lot of the highlights posted up on the screens as well as we work through the sermon today. And if you're watching online and cannot uh, pull down these, we can, we can mail these to you. We also have them accessible on our website. Today's sermon is Christmas coming. What do you want? We are going to begin what will at least be two Sundays in Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. Uh, we are closer to this year's Christmas now, now than we are to last year's Christmas. So this is an appropriate time. Y'all know that periodically I like us to focus at the end of June on Christmas. And we are preaching this year from a book that certainly has plenty of Christmas passages, even though it's all the way back in the Old Testament, Isaiah. We're gonna be turning to one of these passages to Isaiah chapter seven. Today, we're gonna to be reading chap uh, chapter seven, verses one through 17, with a particular highlight on the latter verses of this passage we're reading today, what, what really are the central verses of chapter seven. Once again, I've been staggered in focusing on God's word through Isaiah at, wow, this is probably the most important chapter in the entire Old Testament. Well, I've <laughs> hit another one of those, so we need to spend at least a couple Sundays on Isaiah chapter 7. I invite you to follow along as we read from God's word. We'll be turning to Isaiah 7 again, verses 1 through 17, and again today we'll have a particular highlight focusing in on uh, verses 10 through 17. Hear now God's word. And it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet prevail against it. When it was reported to the house of David, Syria is in league with Ephraim. His heart and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake. 
before the wind. And the Lord, Yahweh, said to Isaiah, Go out now to meet Ahaz, you and Shear-Yashub, your son, Shear-Yashub, your son, at the end of the conduit, or the aqueduct, of the upper pool, on the highway to the launderer's field, the washer's field. And say to him, be careful and be quiet. Do not fear, fear not. And do not let your heart be faint because of these two tail ends, stumps of firebrands. At the burning anger of resin in Syria and at Remaliah's son, because Syria with Ephraim and Remaliah's son has devised evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us split it open for ourselves and set up a king over them, the son of Tabael. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin, and within 50 Within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered so that it is not a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is Remaliah's son. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Verse 10, again, Yahweh, the Lord, spoke to Ahaz. Ask for yourself, this is second singular, a sign from Yahweh, your God. Ask it to the deep or to the exalted height, high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord, Yahweh, to the test. Then he, that is Isaiah, said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you, y'all, to weary men, that you, y'all, will weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall become pregnant and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Curds and honey he will eat when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be forsaken. Yahweh, the Lord, will bring upon you and upon your people, and upon your father's house, such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah. Indeed, the king of Assyria. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Christmas is coming. What do you want? Those of you who are a little bit on the older side, like I am, of our population here will remember that old song that they used to keep playing. I don't know if they play it anymore. 
All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. What do you, what do you, is that all you're looking for? Just give me a good hair day, Lord. Just let me kind of look pretty. Uh, lose five pounds. Is that all you're asking God for? You are going way too small. God can give you a whole lot more than two front teeth. Some of us, I guess, by the way, on the really older side, really would love to have two front teeth, real teeth. Uh, but God wants to invite us to a much bigger message today. So let's move into it. As I said, I am somewhat relieved because I came to the reality early this past week that, oh, this is going to be at least two, two, uh, two sermons, two Sundays. Um, Isaiah chapter 7. Uh, you can see the notes. Number one, Christmas came and comes amid our crises. And then you can see my further notes here posted up for you. We'll move through all three of these. God commands, ask him for Christmas. Ask him for Christmas. Are you asking for God's promises? And then third, God's covenants and Christmas are sure in Emmanuel. He came and he will come regardless, regardless of what you do, <laughs> regardless of whether you're faithful or not. He came, regardless of whether people back then were faithful, he'll come, he'll come again. Um, and then the question is this, will you and your house be condemned through Christmas, through Emmanuel, or claimed and saved through Emmanuel. Because when he comes, you're on one side or the other of that equation. So first of all, Christmas came and comes amid our crises. Any of y'all know about crises? Freaking out about stuff? Worrying about things out there in the world? or what's going on in your own life, or maybe your child's life, or your spouse's life, your best friend's life, your brother's life. Oh man, maybe it's not that big a blessing to have a bunch of brothers and sisters sometimes. You know, there's a lot going on in our lives, aren't there? Anybody ever dealt with a crisis during COVID-19 over the last year or so? Anybody, anybody's kind of, well, what do you think about our country? Is it pretty calm? Or would you, would you say it's, Martin, I'm going to give you one word, calm or crisis-filled or crises, right? Which, which one would you ascribe to our nation right now? Calm, crisis. Not a lot of crisis going on, right? Crises are a problem because they challenge our so-called faith. But you know what? They're also providential because they invite real faith, don't they? You know, sometimes we grow clearly deepest and highest and most strongly when we realize our little worlds and our little plans are not hanging in there. But who hangs in no matter what? God. When the doctor says, I can't do anything, when the psychologist says, we've pretty much done what we can do, when your guru friends who are supposed to know everything say, you know what, I guess we were wrong. When the person in whom you entrusted your heart with all your love turns out to be not worthy because he or she is not God, guess what? That's when you grow the strongest, right? You have that opportunity. The crises do challenge our traditional faith, our so-called faith, our superficial faith. But here's the, the interesting news. Christmas 
comes amid our crises. Christmas comes amid our crises. It came amid our crises. It was prophesied by Isaiah to Ahaz and to the house of David and to Judah when a great crisis was going on, all kinds of problems. You could say, yeah, but that was, Pastor, that was over 700 years before Jesus came. When Jesus came, it was a nice, beautiful, paradisic, you know, Judah, right? You got to be joking. Remember a guy named King Herod? You remember the Roman Empire? Was it pretty when Jesus came? Was it nice and calm when Jesus came? No, no, it was a mess for God's chosen people, the Jews. Christmas comes amid our crises, and some of us know that too, right? We plan our year, and then things happen right before Christmas. When I was planning to have the family together in just a nice, tranquil time with no problems, and all of a sudden the problems come. Y'all ever had that before? <laughs> Christmas comes amid crises in the real world. Um, for Ahaz in the house of Judah, it was the, what's called the Syro-Ephraimitic War. Um, Syria and the northern, broken off northern kingdom of Israel. It's called Ephraim because the lead, um, Jeroboam's tribe, Ephraim, it's the lead tribe of the northern break off. That's why one of the names you use, it's confusing, I know, when you read the Bible. The northern kingdom of the ten and a half tribes is, is called Samaria, that's the capital, Ephraim, that's the lead tribe, and Israel. So Ephraim and Syria are in league with a resident out of Damascus, uh, but you got a much bigger problem going on. The resurgent Assyrian Empire. The resurgent Assyrian Empire. There's some indication historically that Ahaz, the reason he replaced his father Yotham so fast on the throne, is that pro-Assyrian operatives in both Judah and coming out of Assyria made the transition happen. So a backstory to this that we're not told directly in the Bible is he's, he's somewhat compromised already to the Assyrian Empire. But there's a lot going on. So here we are. Let me, let me place this scripture for you. It's 735 B.C. You need to remember that. It's 735 B.C. And Ahaz has these crises going on. He is a young king. He's in his early 20s. Okay? He's in his early 20s, and he's the boss. He's the king. He's in the line of King David. Remember, he's in Judah. He's in Jerusalem. This is the big promised kingly line that leads all the way to the Messiah. And so what I want you to understand as we look at this this Sunday and next Sunday is... Obviously, God can do whatever he wants to, but biologically and on paper, if this house of David totally gets knocked out, we don't have Christmas. <laughs> Let me repeat that. Jesus is the son of David. Okay, he's in the line of the house of David. If these guys get totally knocked out, if they get totally exterminated and eliminated, God can do whatever he wants to. He can raise the dead, but at least... In normal, natural history and biology, you don't get Christmas. So this is a big deal. 
All this stuff we're reading about is a big deal. And as you move from Isaiah chapter 7 through Isaiah chapter 12, you have to understand all this is staging for Christmas and for the new covenant and the rest of the story. So it's 735. Over 735, well, 730 years at least before Jesus is born. And we've got all these crises going on. We've got this young king after the heralded 50-some-odd-year reign of grandfather Uzziah. Remember Isaiah chapter 6? It's a big crisis because Uzziah just died. And that's when the Lord reveals himself in his throne room to Isaiah. That's chapter 6. Remember, we're in chapter 7 right now, okay? So Uzziah's dead. Yotham wasn't much of a king, and he goes out fast. He's moved out fast. He had a co-regency for a while with Uzziah. Another story for another day. But there is weakness and isolation. You've got a little pipsqueak kingdom left, a remnant kingdom. Remember, ten and a half of the northern tribes, they're gone. Really? I mean, really? I mean, you basically have Judah, some of Benjamin, and some Levites in a little hill country. Any of y'all ever been to Israel? This is not the plush breadbasket of Israel. We're talking about the hill country. You know, you got some olives, you got some vines, a little bit of wine, some goats, a little bit of growing, a little bit of vegetable gardens. Not a whole lot. This is, this is a pip, pipsqueak kingdom here left, okay? Nothing like what Solomon had. And you have this threatening alliance of Syria and the northern kingdom. Let me explain what's going on, and I'll come back to this next week. But in brief, what is going down is this. Assyria, the big bad Assyria, is on the rise again. And remember, I talked about this months ago. Their goal is to take the entire Fertile Crescent, which means they want to go down to Egypt, to the real money and the real power. And Egypt is, is weak, weak now, N nothing like it used to be. And if you're going to go down from Assyria, which is northern Iraq, okay, Mosul, Mosul, okay, Nineveh, if you're going to go down, you're going to go down through the way of the sea is the, is the best way to go down, okay? And that means you're going to want to take out that whole edge of the Levant over there on the Mediterranean side of what we would call the Middle East, and you're going to go through Syria, you're going to go through Lebanon, and you're going to go through what, in this case, is Israel, okay? You're not so worried about Judah and Jerusalem. They're over in the hills. They're not the big, that's not, but, but you're going to eventually turn to Judah, but they're not the big deal. But you're going to go through the breadbasket. You're going to go through the Jezreel Valley. You're going to take out Samaria to get down to Egypt. That's Assyria. So the king of what we would call Syria, Aram in the Bible, Rezin and the king of Israel are worried about this and they come up with a plan. It worked a couple generations before, maybe it'll work this time. If we all come in league together in a coalition, the northern kingdom of Israel, Syria and Judah, we can push off the Assyrian onslaught, okay? They're gonna have an allied effort. But the problem is, Ahaz is compromised, apparently compromised to the Assyrians, and he's probably also, even if he didn't have that, he's scared to death, appropriately enough, of the Assyrians. When you have two mice who want a third mouse to help them take on the cat, how does that look to you guys? 
You think the three mice can take out the, the, the cat when he comes? And so Ahaz has demurred on this. And so what happens is Syria and the northern kingdom of Israel say, we're going to go down and force him to be in alliance with him. And if he won't, we'll defeat him and put our king on the throne. And from all we can read, because there's no indication, Tabael is not in the line of David. The guy they want to replace Ahaz is not in the line of David. That's the power politics that's going on here. That's what's going on in 735. But there are deeper crises for Ahaz. Um, Ahaz has all of this. Let me remind you, Ahaz has God's covenant call and promises on Abraham and the line of Abraham and the people of Abraham. For Abraham and his seed, I will bless you. I will bless everybody who blesses you. I will curse anybody who messes with you. You and your seed. Ahaz has the covenant promises that God has made through the Mosaic covenant for all the people of Israel. Okay, and he is the king provided for under the law, on the throne in Jerusalem, God's holy place. And on top of that, he has all God's promises to David and the house of David and the descendants of David. It's guaranteed on the one hand. On the other hand, it's conditional. You won't fail to have a son on the throne if they are obedient to me. If they are obedient to me. Now, he has all, has all that in front of him. You've got all this in front of you. In whom are you going to trust? The world? The cat? Or God? But the cat looks pretty big and tough and smart right now. The cat's taking over the world. Lord, I'm going to trust in this because there's a lot of new information on this every single second I turn it on. A lot of people telling me what to do. For Christians, we have all of the above, all that I mentioned with Ahaz, all of those covenants, the Abrahamic, the Mosaic, the Davidic, and we also have the new covenant through Jesus Christ. Are you living in his covenant? Are you living in the power of who he is? This is the question. This is a question for Ahaz. Um, so Ahaz has a problem because ultimately his crisis is he is faithless. He doesn't believe in everything I just laid out for you. He's going to go with the cat. He is going to go with the cat. He is the mouse who's going to pay off the cat to attack the other mice. What's the long-term outcome on this for you? What do you think? How's this going to work out? You think the cat, after he gets finished with the two mice, and get to notice the third one that's already paid him off all this money? Oh, yeah, he'll go down to Egypt first. But he's coming for you, too. Ahaz is faithless. Are you a man or woman of faith or faithlessness in the crisis? I mean, in other words, do you actually believe in Christmas or not? Hmm? This is the question. Uh, secondly, God commands along those lines, ask. Ask me for Christmas. <laughs> ask me for Christmas. What do you want? God invited Solomon 
the direct son of David to ask. What does Solomon ask for? Y'all remember this, right? Wisdom, and God blesses him. God is really pleased with Solomon. Now, Solomon doesn't live his life out according to wisdom. But hey, he starts off with a bang, and it's really good. Here we have it for Ahaz. Ahaz is a young king also, just like Solomon. So surely Ahaz is going to snap out of this, turn, repent, and turn away from the cat, and turn to God Almighty. Are you going to turn away from all the powers that be in the technological age in which we live, and then in the anti-Christian age in which we live, and turn to God? Or are you going to stay with the cat and the other cats? God says, look, come to me, baby son. Ask me. Ask me for Christmas. God says to you, ask for Christmas this summer. But it's six months away. Yeah, you better start getting ready. Ask for it now. Ask for Christmas. God commands him, ask, ask. Jesus commands us, Matthew 7, 7 through 8 in the Sermon on the Mount. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and I'll open the door for you. The door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So, so the Lord... Sends, I'll come back to this later. This is a really interesting setting. He sends Isaiah with Isaiah's son, Sha'er, Yeshu. The Lord's only going to save a remnant. I mean, that's the name of Isaiah's son. I'll come back to that next week. So you got, you got this son whose name, only a remnant's going to be saved, right? That's the name of his son. And he goes out and the Lord says, take your son. I want to, I'm going to take your boy. With that name, <laughs> and I want you to go out outside of the city because um, Ahaz is there right now because he's freaking out about his water supply. And he's not smart enough or good enough the way Hezekiah is down the road to build a, you know, the tunnel. But he's freaking out about that exposed water source that he's got, the conduit out there, the aqueduct. Because he knows when his city gets besieged by Syria and Ephraim, he's in trouble. You go on out there now and tell him he doesn't have anything to worry about. So, uh, the Lord says at 735, um, on a given day, on an appointed day that God has determined, um, yeah, Ahaz is out there right now. You go see him with your boy and deliver this message. Ask for yourself, second person singular. This is Ahaz now. This is to Ahaz personally, a sign from the Lord your God. God is inviting Ahaz to believe, Okay. God is inviting Ahaz to believe. The Lord, your God. You see how personal that is? That's second person, possessive, singular, okay? Make your request to the deep, as ESV kind of trans uh, uh, paraphrases in here, all the way to Sheol, to the place of the dead, to hell itself, or to the exalted high. Again, just kind of pushing that, paraphrasing that. In other words, to heaven. The sky's the limit. Ask me whatever you want. God says to Ahaz and God says to you, are you asking? This is the crisis of Ahaz's life, and it turns out, we'll talk about this next week, it is the crisis of the house of David. The house of David is going to be cut down, but there will be a stump. This is the moment for Ahaz. God commands him, and God commands you, ask. Are you going to disobey God? 
Ahaz does. Listen to this, verse 12. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. God has just commanded him to ask. I will not ask. And then he's so pious, false piety. Do you do the false piety thing? I don't want to, you know, put my faith at risk or put God on the line. I will not put the Lord to the test. He's kind of half quoting from Torah. But you notice he doesn't say, I will not put the Lord, my God, to the test. There's all this distance involved. It's false piety. And why? Well, 2 Kings 16 tells us why. He's already made his deal with the cat. 2 Kings 16, 5 and 7 through 8. Then Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, came up to wage war. Sounds familiar, same setting, right? 735. Um, on Jerusalem, they besieged Ahaz, Ahaz, but could not conquer him. So Ahaz sent messengers to Tiglath-Pileser. That's Tiglath-Pileser III, emperor of Assyria, king of Assyria, saying, I am your servant. Do you see that? This is, a, this is apostasy. This is an abomination. This man is the son of David. He is the servant of the Lord God Almighty and the Lord God only. He is the son, in a general sense, not a divine sense, of God. He is a child of God, and he's saying to the big cat, I am your servant. I am your son. Come up and save me. He's asking Tiglath-Pileser to save him instead of asking God. Y'all see what is going on here? Come up and save me from the hand of the king of Syria and from the hand of the king of Israel who are attacking me. This is his God, the power of the world, the cat. Ahaz also took, now here's further abomination. This is incredible. Also took the silver and the gold that was found in the Lord's house. He strips out God's own house. That Solomon had stuffed full of beautiful things. Found in the Lord's house and in the treasures of the king's house. So he's, he's forsaking not only God, but also his Davidic line. Do you see this? This is an entire forsaking. It's incredible. Selling himself as a slave to Assyria and sent a present to the king of Assyria. So back to our story. He refuses to ask because he's already made his deal. He's already made it. Have you already made your deal? This is a deal with the devil here. Then he, Isaiah said, here's our context for this famous passage. Hear, O house of David. This is to the whole line. This is not just Ahaz now. What you do affects your entire household. Men, heads of household, you, you better hear this. And for the, 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 the king in the line of David, definitely. Hear, O house of David. Is it too little a thing for y'all to weary men that you're now going to weary my God also? Notice now, this is Isaiah's God. It's not Ahaz's God. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Are you asking? James says, you do not have because you do not ask. Are you in the Lord asking for his promises? Whatever you ask in my name, Jesus says, John 14, this I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask my Father and he will give you another advocate, the Holy Spirit, in other words, who will never leave you, Emmanuel. God commands us, ask for Christmas this summer. Ask for God's heavenly promises, Emmanuel. Number three, I'll just start this one. We'll come back to it next Sunday. God's covenants and Christmas are sure in Emmanuel. He came and he will come regardless of our choices. God's covenant and Christmas are sure in Emmanuel. But here's the key question for you. 
Will my house and will I be condemned or claimed and saved by Emmanuel? Because he's coming. Ahaz is being condemned. He's being condemned by his own choices, by his own words, and the house of David is also being condemned. That's what I just read you. I'll come back next Sunday. We'll explain it a little bit more, but that, that, that tree is coming down. It's going to take a miracle for God to raise up the house of David again. And guess when it happens? At Christmas time. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will become pregnant and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. I'll come back to this next Sunday. Um, all the prophecy on the second side of this, it's a 13-year sequence from 735 to 722. That's when the northern kingdom goes down to Assyria. Assyria goes down earlier within three years. All this talk, I'll come back to it next week, about the boy growing up and being able to determine good and evil, that's bar mitzvah talk. It's a 13-year cycle. But we got bigger promises here with Emmanuel. As for Christmas, we'll talk about that more next week and we'll talk about standing firm in faith. This is God's call, his claim, and his good news on you today as we close out the first half of the year. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.